Hello, good evening, good morning or good afternoon and welcome back to French Football Weekly, the podcast. I am your host Chris and uh, tonight it's a three-person crew. We're one down but we will do our best to entertain you nevertheless. Uh, I've got with me this evening Jez in a hurry. Hello Jez. Hello. And Phil possibly in a hurry, I don't know. Hello Phil. Never knowingly in a hurry. No, I'm fine. (laughs) Hello everybody. Hello to all. Uh, I should say, Rich is not with us this evening, but will be back soon, I'm sure. So, uh, hello to Rich if he's listening, which I'm sure he is. Uh, right, uh, back to kind of normal format this week after a brief uh, kind of uh, rejig of covering all the games last week. We're going back to three this week. Um, so, we will dig into those shortly, but just in case you've missed the results from the week, we're going to run those down for you first of all. So, on Friday, uh, Ram got us underway with a rather surprising turn of events beating Leon by a goal to nil. Chavaria with the goal in 32 minutes, uh, ending in, in defeat for Genesio's men. Uh, uh, just on that, mm. Edouard Mendy in goal for Reims was really, really good. And yes. yeah, much hat tipping in his direction because that was a great performance. And uh, and very, very well-merited result as well for Ram, has to be said. Uh, on the Saturday games, the early games saw PSG face Gangomp. More on that one shortly. Uh, ended in a 3-1 victory for the away side, but we'll tuck into that in a moment. Uh, Omien uh, losing at home to Phil's Montpellier in one of the evening games. Uh, Mollet and Skiri with the uh, girls from Montpellier. Konate penalty was not enough for the home side. Also saw Khan and Nice play out a 1-1 draw, late equaliser for Ganago, uh, I always pronounce that wrong, that's uh, Patrick Vieira's second game in charge, of course, away from home after Bamu had put Khan in front from the penalty spot. We also saw a 2-0 victory for Dijon, who beat Nantes, uh, two goals from Julia Tavares there, and a red card for uh, the uh, uh, away side's Toure in that game. Probably the game was done by that at the point. Anyway, uh, Monaco and Lille ended in a goalless draw. Uh, not much to be said there, although quite surprising that it ended to nil-nil. In truth, I thought there'd be goals in that one. Shows what I know. Uh, well, Mignon uh, saved a penalty from Falcao, I think, late on. Um, Good point. Take, taking his uh, penalty tally to stopping five in nine, which is pretty <laughs> impressive when you think about it. It's so, not yeah. bad. It's not bad. Um, and speaking of also not bad, Rich will be a happy man because Ren ran out 1-0 victors over Angers on the uh, Saturday evening game as well. Saar with the late winner in that one. And on to the Sunday games. We're going to uh, focus a little more in depth on uh, Toulouse-Bordeaux and Nîmes-Marseille later on. But suffice to say, two home wins in those games. And Strasbourg-Saint-Etienne played out a fairly entertaining 1-1 draw, which I watched on Sunday. Uh, we might touch on uh, watching games a little bit later. Later on, uh, one-one draw. Sabotic was red carded early for Saint Etienne, <coughs> uh, who got a very late equaliser from Gay after Gonzalez had put Strasbourg in front, so they share the points. Right, so that was the results from the weekend's games. Uh, we are now going to have a little chat about a couple of those, and we'll start with the champions, PSG, who uh, got three-one victory over Gangomp, uh, not without controversy though. Uh, Jez, let me come to you. Gangot went in front. They were 1-0 up, playing superbly well. And then, fill in the blanks for us. Uh, well, there, there were, I think there were, there were two relatively controversial moments. 
Um, the first one was, as you said, that they were already one nil up. They'd already hit the bar, really good Buffon save from that was actually at nil nil. Buffon sort of pushed a Rue shot onto the onto the bar, and then um, Rue gave Gang on the lead. Uh, sort of big communication breakdown between Dagba and the great Thiago Silva, um, showing his usual leadership. Um, and then second half. Um, well, firstly, the non-controversial bit is that Mbappe came on um, for the beginning of the second half and totally changed the game. Um, mm-hmm. PSG were awful in the first half, um, including Neymar. And Mbappe, um, as soon as he came on, the whole team um, will give Tuchel credit as well for stirring team talk or whatever. But um, it was it was a changed team with Mbappe in it. He helped... He, he had a big part in the move that led to the penalty that Neymar scored and then scored um, the the last two goals himself. And, you know, this whole debate about who's the main man there, um, certainly judging by this performance, it is Mbappe. It's not even a question of equals. Mbappe, the way he played and the way Neymar played with and without Mbappe, um, Mbappe is the main man there. But the other big controversy, which wasn't talked about too much. Sorry, I, I missed the first bit of controversy. The first <laughs> one was at 1-0. Um, a goal being disallowed. Yeah, so <laughs> Buffon actually kind of, not, he seems to have completely escaped criticism, but he went for a strange walkabout, was nowhere near his goal, the cross came in, Benazé headed it in. But after quite a long VAR uh, delay, it was disallowed for a push. I actually agree mm. with that. I think it wasn't the strongest push. He didn't. Well, yeah, there was contact, didn't... but it wasn't like. No, exactly. In the I mean, last you know, two, you'd have stayed on your feet. He didn't need a second invitation to go down. But, no. but in the second half, I think when it was still one all, Munier, who didn't have a great game. I can't remember who the Gangon player was, but there was a blatant push in the area which didn't even go to VAR, let alone be called for a penalty. Mm. And to me, that one was an absolutely clear cut and you know, could, could have given Gangon a 2-1 lead, which could have changed things somewhat. So, uh, yeah, definitely least one controversial moment, which to me definitely went against Gangon. And then VAR will have teething problems, but it's not going to help the conspiracy theorists that suggest that bigger teams will get the run of the run of the green sometimes. Although, again, we might come to it. Marseille fans might disagree. <laughs> I, I just struggled to, to get my head around the, the goal. I really did, like, well, the second goal, which for me wasn't. And yeah, okay, there's a suspicion of a foul in the build-up, but. I would argue there was enough time between that and the eventual finish to say that if you're not going to give that at the start of the play, you just don't blow up for it. That would have been, and I didn't really see too much of an appeal until the ball's in the net as well, which is always a dead cert giveaway that the team that has conceded knows they're in the wrong for me. Um, I'm not saying PSG wouldn't have gone on to win because obviously they scored three goals, but it's one of those, isn't it? If the dog hadn't stopped for a pee, would it have been, would it have caught the cat sort of situation? Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> Phil, we should just touch on on the world's greatest player, Kylian Mbappe, because that is what we now have to call him. Uh, well, uh, everybody knows about that, whatever. What was interesting for me was what we talked about last week with um, Tuchel playing 
some of the kids was that as the older players, the, the stars come back, would he continue doing that? And we're looking at a starting 11, which had Dagra at left back, 19 years old, Bernard in defensive midfield, 19 years old, and Kunku obviously played a bit more uh, in midfield at 20 and where started up front uh, centre forward at 18. And they brought on Musa Diaby um, later on as a sub. It does look, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm just hoping against hope, but it does look like he is going to continue doing this. And that would be brilliant, I think, because obviously Mbappe's still, you know, a kid, basically. Um, but the fact that they're, they're playing these other kids around them is is great and like you say Munia didn't have a great game who's there also Danny Alves who appears to be a little bit paranoid from his from his uh, social media presence um but you know there's other people who could play there it's it's getting a bit more competitive maybe for these uh for these stars that Tuchel's going to say well if you're good enough you're old enough as the as the uh, cliche goes so fight for your place and you might, as a multi-million pound signing, be fighting against a teenager that's come up through the academy. And I think PSG fans are going to be really happy with that. And I think it makes it more interesting to watch uh, kind of from our perspective as well. Two um two good finishes as well from uh, from Mbappe. Very oh, sort yeah. of, dare I say, Henri esque. The first ob- one. Obviously, he's very good. Nobody's yeah. arguing about he's that. Quite handy, but it's like he? you know some of the others who are just you know cashing yeah. the checks and phoning it in might uh, might start to worry perhaps. Yeah, to to draw a line under this game before we we move on, I think the one thing that everybody is looking at from a PSG perspective, I think we'll probably all agree on this, we all expect them to win Liga, um, regardless Mm -hmm. of who they're playing. Yes, they might get the odd defeat here and there. All the eyes are going to be on them when they enter the Champions League, and more importantly, all the eyes will be on that defence. That's going to be the the thing everyone's going to look at from an attacking point of view and a front three, front four point of view. They can beat anyone on their day, as they've proven. But it, and defensive midfield. And defensive midfield, yes, absolutely. And of course, uh, um, we, they will only be able to win the Champions League if uh, if Mama Rab- Rabio says they can. That's the law. So, uh, yes, less said the better. Um, right, let's move on to our next game. Uh, and we're going to focus on uh, the last game of the weekend. Phil, you called it last week. You said this would be a lovely weekend finisher as it were and so oh. it proved. um talk to me about neem and marseille and uh dennis Bawanga, lorion legend maybe not legend but still um brilliant really brilliant victory this for, for neem wasn't it and yeah. and they thoroughly deserved it it wasn't a smash and grab mm. albeit marseille gave them a large slice of luck with some comical defending for the second goal yeah i think um if you were going into this game thinking that the team playing its first home game in the top flight in 25 years wasn't going to be trying, you'd be an idiot. And you saw that, you know, they really, really were so committed. And yeah, it was it was a fun game to watch because 
there were slip-ups at both ends, but Neem managed to take advantage of the slips they were given and just about scramble away the uh, the when they had a bit of an issue. So, yeah, um, the one nil up at half time. Um, OM equalised shortly after half time through Tovan, but then Tube got the second as you say, some, some interesting defending from Marseille. And then Ripar, who's had a great start of the season, um, with the goal kind of three minutes from time. And again, just the, like last week, obviously that game was crazy away at Angers. And, you know, the, the emotion they showed when, when the winner went in was, was understandable. But this, again, was a massive explosion of joy. And I think it's going to be great um, having Neem back in. You know, they've got six points and in the top four, as are Raz, uh, which is a brilliant start when you've got the promoted teams kind of starting strong and really kind of showing people around them, yep, we're here. We're not, you know, we're not here to make up the numbers. We'll be We'll be we'll be trying to mess you up as much as possible. Uh, I cannot wait for the derbies with Montpellier. Those are going to be some great matches. Yeah, yeah, they will be. Uh, will be entertaining. And Jez, it would be fair to say that uh, this game. I mean, it, it had pretty much everything. Um, I do want to just pick up. We, we should give Florian Tovar um, some credit for for the finish for the equaliser, which was world class, has to be said. Um, but I want to touch on on one particular player um, in this game, um, and that is uh, Renal Ripar, who um, who got the third goal but largely was just a quality performer on the night. Is it key that the likes of him and, and indeed Boenga, who, who got the opener, are they going to be the key sort of figures in terms of, of Neem continuing, not only just this run, but realistically, we know they're not going to sit second in the league come December, October or December, January time. Is it key that they keep players like that in the side and performing at, at this level? Um, yeah, it's got to be. I mean, at the start of the season, or certainly the end of last season, you'd have said that the the two main men going into into league out would be um, Rashid Aliouei and, and Umar Bozak, who who were the, the ones who came out with all the goals last year. Um, Aliouei is injured at the moment, and Bozak. Oh, I, I I get the feeling he's he's waiting to pounce. Well, because yeah. there was a wonderful um, interview with him in Le Keep over the weekend. Uh, uh, as well as playing football, he's also a black belt in karate and plays the piano to a high level. Oh, don't we all? He's an extremely accomplished young man with a very good sense of uh, perspective. I think he, he said he was let go by Mets because they thought he was fat. And his response was, I'm not fat, I'm just big boned. So I have to say I am behind him a hundred percent on the, on on that kind of argument. You go, woman. I think he'll be uh, he'll he'll come into his own uh, over the next couple of matches. So yeah, that's the thing. I think he um, you know, it, it is he's he's stepped up from from Nacional to Liga in the space of two years, and mm-hmm. in Nacional and Liga, he he, you know, he he showed that he was showed the quality that he's got but it might take a little bit longer to adjust to league and there's probably a little bit of the fact that he's unsettled with lots of rumors about 
whether he's going to stay or go, or whether he's going to get uh, the raise that his performances last year deserved, can he afford to give him that raise? So it's not entirely clear-cut with him. But that being the case with the two of them, you know, you can't go into the season necessarily just relying on, on two attacking players. So the fact that Ripa and Tiub have hit the ground running, Tiub with, with two brilliant goals last week, an individual one, and this one just, um, you know, managing to to support Buanga in, in, in uh, Neem's break, which was, I mean, talking of of, uh, of Bozok being big bones, Tiub's quite a unit to, to shift that quickly as well. So, <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, you know, it, it bodes very well for them that if their their two main strikers aren't yet doing the business, that they've got two others who who are who are able to um, or do more than cover for them, I guess. And it also mm. means that there's going to be competition for those places, which which will help Neem as well. So yeah. and as again, things stand, yeah, they're well-placed. The kind of the thing we used to talk about with Monaco is you can't defend against a team where the goals could come from anywhere. And so, in a sense, sometimes priority teams come up and you've got one key man. So if you keep tabs on them... You're going to contain the threat if they've got a more kind of dispersed threat, a more distributed threat, we might say, in tech. Um, you know, it makes it much harder to defend against them if it could be any of four or five players who could possibly be putting that ball in. So I think that's a really positive sign for them that, yeah, um, Nima doing brilliantly and Bozak hasn't scored yet is a good sign, actually. Mm. Yeah, it's a real bonus, isn't it? And um, speaking of bonus, uh, to, to draw a line here, Jez, um, let me ask you about the situation involving a certain Italian centre-forward who will not be joining Marseille. Uh, Mario Balotelli has decided, uh, well, <laughs> has either been told or has decided, fill in the blanks here, that he's going to stay with Nice for another season. Um, Marseille have come out and stated that they've put full faith in Constas Mitroglou. <laughs> Sorry, I can't <laughs> help that. Uh, and, oh God, uh, that must have gone down well. Indeed, and Vela who I thought took a bit of a necessary stick at the weekend, um, is that enough for Marseille? I mean, they're fr- they're fighting on on three, possibly four fronts. Well, technically they are on four fronts as we start the season. Is that enough firepower for them to to maintain? Because you know they won't have thought that they would have lost this game, and here they are now with technically only two centre forwards. Um, firstly, I agree with you. I thought Germain got a little bit too much stick. On on a on Sunday, I thought Paul Bernardoni did well to keep him out two or three times. Actually, um, it's it's not ideal, but it's not it's not terminal either. I mean, you laugh about Mitroglou, but he's, he has got a good record, and I think yeah, he, he can be an effective yeah. um, striker for them, especially as as someone who can hold it up for players like. Remember, it's not just the, the out and out strikers, but. Part, you know, Tovas scored a hatful mm. last year and has already scored two in two, or two in one and a bit, actually. Actually, two bits, because he got <laughs> substituted quite early on, on Sunday. Um, uh, you know, Payet can put them away as well. Even Ocampos can sort of accidentally 
shin something into a corner <laughs> so um it's not Make just sense. about yeah it's not just about the strikers but it isn't and i do still think jam has a quality player and possibly has played in the wrong position but it is thin and there's lots of kidology from marseille saying yeah we've decided to stick with what we've got but i think it is an attempt to save face i think there's been quite a lot of veiled accusations on both sides that it's the other clubs fault that the deal fell through um but they both have to make do with what they've got i mean if they don't manage to bring anyone else in um between now and the end of the window then nice have to try to keep balotelli happy and you know really bring him into the fold Vieira was relatively uh strong in his kind of condemnation of Balotelli and saying, you know, if he doesn't turn up for training and he's not interested in the shirt, then I'm not interested in having him. So he needs to rebuild some bridges there to keep his main striker happy. And if Marseille are not going to go for anyone else, then they need to do something probably with Germain's confidence and just keep... I think Mitroglou's main problem possibly is is keep keep maintaining his fitness the whole time, which I don't think is going to be easy. And they do possibly need to pray that the two of them manage to stay fit all season because there isn't that much behind them and it looks like um and g seems to have gone to sporting yeah he's another one i think that's a little bit too much too much stick yeah definitely but um this kind of cuts down their wide options but also bunasar i think has broken a toe yeah something he's out and mandanda's out which is possibly less of an issue but obviously you've got Tovar on the right. And that's I mean, less of an issue because he's massively overrated because he's not a striker. <laughs> I that was coming. Shh. Um, <laughs> but they, G got a lot of stick, like you say, but he was somebody who was available to come off. He's and, pace, I suppose. That's, that's one yeah. thing. He's a... uh, pace and turning defenders. I mean, the, the way he plays in um for his national team rather than um club football is very he's got a move which is basically go on the shoulder of the defender and then just kind of whiz off into the distance um which is which was always very uh very useful there but now so you've got what a campus toval the guys in the middle there's not an awful lot of changing it up uh that that they can do there, uh, particularly with Bunasar out, because obviously he could play either left back, left wing, left wing back, whatever you uh, right, sorry, right back, right wing, right wing back, whatever you needed. Um, if he's out for a while, then it's Sakai. He's a good right back, but Bunasar, I think, will be will be quite a big miss given some of the other movement. So it's going to be interesting to see see what happens. Um, they're being linked with El Neni, aren't they? Yeah, well, this is, yeah, which I personally would be a little bit disappointed. But it's I suppose if they've got rid of Zambarangisa. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Somebody needs to come in, but... Yeah. Mm. The, only, the only thing I would say with El Nene, though, is uh, as much as I like him as, as a, an Arsenal fan, I don't think he offers you too much different to what they've already got. Yeah. Um, particularly in terms of Luis Gustavo, I think he's a better player than El Nene. Yeah. Um, he would be there as cover, and I, I just think, why would you leave? Why would you leave the Premier League and, and Arsenal to basically be a reserve at Marseille? That that bit doesn't make sense. And Gregory well, Sertic as well, who can play there. Well, Sertic, I think, is is gone. 
gone. Yeah, fair enough. Well, not, if not gone, but you know, going. maybe coaching the academy um, or something like that. It, it seems unlikely he's going to get big games. Um, you got Sanson in there. Cabela's um, gone permanently to, to Saint-Étienne. So, you know, maybe Alneni and Luis Gustavo next to each other as a pair mm. might work. But yeah. as you said, they are going to be playing on four fronts. And they've kind of got to go for all of them because they, even though they're not going to win the league, they don't want to be embarrassed in the league. And obviously the Cups give them the best chance of, of silverware. So I feel like they do need um, more up front. But who they're going to get now is a little bit difficult to, to see. But if they were to get somebody, it would seem like it would be good to get someone kind of polyvalent who could do the wings as well, given that there's some issues there, preferably on the left side. So... We'll have to see what they come up with, but I think if you know their big signing of the window is is El Neni, then there might be some screaming and toys out of prams and and whatever, which would probably be reasonable, given you know the the money that's available and the possibilities they've got. Mm. Okay, it's, I think it's an intriguing one because um, Er. Ego sort of come into French football and been very mouthy and, you know, really slated Lyon, really slated Nice. But it seems like Marseille are the ones that have lost out here. And um, at some point he sort of needs to back up his, his big talk with with a little bit more um, results, I guess. You know, Garcia's doing his bit on the pitch. Mm. But Errol maybe needs to keep his mouth shut and, and do a little bit more off the pitch to help Garcia out. Yeah. And in terms of that forward line, I think the only other option they've they've got, uh, other than those we've mentioned, it would be to to throw in the young lad Yusuf Sari, who's quite highly rated. But yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I suppose it could in the cups maybe, but not a lot going there in terms of experience. Um, having not played any um, senior football yet, I think you might have made one sub appearance, but not a lot else. And just to be just because I mentioned it earlier, um, <laughs> I alluded to it. Um, Marseille were also, I, I don't think anyone can dispute that Nîmes deserved their win and Marseille were relatively toothless up front and very poor in defence, but Germain should have had at least one penalty for being pulled down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nîmes are quite um, uncompromising, I think mm. would be a good way of describing their defensive approach. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's Neem, full credit to them and work to do for Garcia and Marseille. Uh, brings us on to our final game that we're going to cover in a bit more detail. Um, where to begin here? Goodness gracious me. Bordeaux uh, losing a way to lose. That in itself, not a huge shock. You know, you get these results. Uh, Leia putting to lose in front. Camano equalising for Bordeaux before Dasevi. Um, who's uh, I'm sure well known to Jez got the winner for to lose much needed um, points in terms of their start to their season. Um, just, just the four X mess players scoring in the game. <laughs> you had to get that in, didn't you? <laughs> X X being the key there. Um, but uh, yes, um, and we all know that Lorient have provided the best player in the Premier League right now, don't we? So let's let's just skip over that one. Um, yes, yeah, so to lose Bordeaux. So generally, if we uh, start with the result, Jez. Not a massive shock, shall we say, but this is not going to be the, the headline 
from this game is it it's what happened with Gus Poyet um, who metaphorically uh, left something steaming in the dressing room again for the second time in his career. It wasn't him. <laughs> okay, allegedly. It was the Crystal Palace bus driver. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. Um, um, yeah. One thing, we, we have an additional question from Anthony Carey, aka Girondin Aunt, on, on Twitter. Was Gus Poyer justified in his outburst, or should he have handled his frustration better? Better. I'm what, just going to throw that bombshell in there and leave you to it. Okay. What was the uh, What was the the outburst, Jess? Fill in the listeners. Uh, what was the quote that he came out with um, after this game? Um, basically, after their their win, <laughs> um, it, it should be remembered in in the Europa League qualifying on Thursday night in the press conference. He basically. Uh, just went off on one, slagging off the the Bordeaux directors for um, for set. Well, the main thing was, I think it was sort of done as as a final straw, but for selling um, Gaetano Borg to to Montpellier without his say so. Or, but basically, he he implied that he knew that he was going, but he he asked that they don't sell him until they brought in a replacement. Um, and he just, yeah, he didn't say it too calmly. He kind of was quite rude to the journalists, saying he doesn't give a fuck what, what they think. He, I think one of them tried to, to sort of end the press conference, and he said, we'll end this when I say we can end this. Um, he talked about the directors trying to stab him in the back, um, et cetera, et cetera. And probably not massively surprisingly, first thing Friday morning, he was suspended. <laughs> <laughs> shock shock and and where we stand right now um uh, tuesday night half a seven uh, for those who are interested um he's currently suspended pending further information or uh, <laughs> whatever i mean it's clear he's gonna go isn't it and and there's I, a lot of talk about I, when i assume employment law is different in france <laughs> to england because he would have a very very good case for unfair dismissal here whether he's sort of guilty or not because he's kind of suspended but everyone said he's suspended preliminary to being sacked then like Stefan Martin the, the Bordeaux president was kind of going well you never know we'll leave it till next Friday and a lot can happen in a week and maybe we'll make things up but we probably won't and in the meantime there's all these reports that Bordeaux have already got a short list of potential replacements and may or may not have already spoken to Thierry Henry for example so I can only assume that things are done differently in France but in terms of Poyet I think yeah, I think it's an untenable position now. I can't, I can't see how they can work together. Um, in answer to Anthony's question, he was justified to an extent because Bordeaux have not had a good transfer window at all. And I think he has been hamstrung somewhat. But as you'd expect, there's a hell of a lot of grey area about whose fault all of that is. Um, I think if Bordeaux sort of let it be known that um, they drew up a list of, of 30 players. Poyet wasn't interested in any of them apart from De Jong. And the reason that one didn't happen was because it was Poyet who dragged his feet. Um, in terms of Laborde in particular, there's reports that, that Poyet had sort of been walking around the Bordeaux offices, kind of slagging Laborde off and saying how much he didn't rate him to as many people as possible. So I think he's being quite disingenuous there. 
Um, all of this you have to sort of read in the context of Poyet's past behaviour where he's, he has tried to be bigger than the club, which is exactly what he did here too. Apparently, although his appointment was more the potential new American owner's appointment rather than the the sort of owners and directors who are currently in situ. So there was probably always tension there from the start. But by all accounts, everything was rosy enough last season when he sort of steadied the ship and qualified them for Europe. And it's only really since the transfer window opened that the problems have occurred and there's been big disagreements. But, you know, certainly from a Brighton fan's perspective, I can tell you this isn't new. This is Poyet's massive ego getting the better of him and trying to make himself bigger than the club that he's managing when things don't go wrong he very publicly questions the the motives and the the sort of dedication of the owners and the the, the actual money men which is always asking for trouble um i think he's done i think he did similar uh, in athens he certainly didn't win any friends in sunderland so um, yeah, I could be quite biased, but I think he's playing a dangerous game. And I mean, my personal opinion is that he probably knew what was probably coming afterwards. And he thought, well, either I'll get my way and then I'm sort of, um, uh, I can't think of the right phrase, but, you know, I've got, I get my own way. And so I'm now in control as much as I want. And I am pretty much running the club or uh, I'll get chucked out and I'm not so bothered about that anyway. Um, so yeah, I think he was sort of kind of half bluffing or yeah, he was bluffing and I think they called his bluff. Oh, he's bloviating. Isn't that the word? Just making, yeah. make big swinging dick kind of thing. And it's like, well, <laughs> if, if you keep me on, then I've won. And if you let me go, then I didn't want you anyway. And it's just, it's... Bordeaux so, also denied that he didn't know about Laborde being sold that day, well, which isn't of, surprising. It's, it's similar to when he was sacked on, it. when he claimed that he didn't know that he was about to be sacked by Brighton. I saw, I, I saw one, one quote from him, which was, I turned up for training and they said Laborde wasn't there and he was already in Montpellier. And like, I'm pretty sure that's not how that works, apart from <laughs> anything else. You know, the guy's going to go and say goodbye to people. Um, so, yeah, it seems a bit. Yeah, yeah, alpha male pissing in the corner of the garden. I don't know, whatever. Of his own garden. Yeah, men are weird. Whatever. Well, well here's the uh, seamless transition into <laughs> our, our debates this week, and and what I want to debate with you is pretty straightforward. It, it lines up nicely with Bordeaux. Um, let's say that uh, Gus Poirier does get the boot, which, as we said, I think is probably quite likely. Um, uh, what can happen in a week? Well, yeah, true. Well, uh, just, just for the, the sake of this, suspended and is effing and blinding all over the media. They can't keep him. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, let, let's let's say for the arguments and for the uh, credibility of this podcast, he's going to go. <laughs> Otherwise, it kills this argument. Um, does Thierry Henry make either A, a good choice, and B, a wise choice? Um, what what do we think? Um, Tess, do you want to start us off with that one? Is he the man you'd go for? Uh, inexperienced, to a degree, let's be honest. Um, obviously, a legend. Would join the, the throngs of... Um, previous World Cup winners who now manage in Liga or have done. Is it a risk, though? 
Um, I it's definitely a, a risk because a new manager coming in who's never been been tested before is of course there's a risk, but I think it's uh it's a good risk to take. I don't think Bordeaux are going to be in any serious trouble this year, so um, mm. it's not. I don't think it could go so wrong that they end up in Ligue 2 or anything like that. I think it's uh you know it's a big name. I, Bordeaux have sort of been. Uh, struggling to kind of really take off and really get back to 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 their best of the sort of um, at some point in the 90s and I guess even early 2000s with Blanc and not early but late 2000s with Blanc um, and you know the really great teams of the 80s they're not the most exciting team they feel a little bit in the doldrums as a club so I think having a big name like Henri really could mm. um it's not about PR, but I think it would be a good PR coup. I think it would certainly please the incoming American owners who no doubt would have actually heard of him. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, for Ligue 1, it would be exciting. I think for the players in, in um, at Bordeaux, they've got to be energized by having someone like that um, coaching them. Um, it goes, you know, you can go either way. With It's well known that he's... Um, got an encyclopedic knowledge of football but you know that just might mean he's good at sports quizzes it doesn't necessarily mean he's a good coach but he's he's had a reasonable apprenticeship um you know learning from some of the best managers around in in Wenger and um was he under Guardiola I think he was Certainly, Rijkaard. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was Guardiola, wasn't it? I think yeah. Pretty sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. Martinez. And then yeah, learn. Not necessarily the greatest coach, Martinez, but you know, <laughs> still he's had that coaching role, so he sort of had that gradual step up. Mm. Um, I, th- I think. I think. Just to come in on that, he might not be that experienced, but as just says, he's had a degree of experience because, in a sense, the danger. It's somebody just comes straight into management without having kind of done the hard yards is that they only really know how to do their own job, as it were, which means that sometimes players who are defenders are better at this because they can at least see the whole pitch. Um, but because he's had experience of being on a coaching staff, if not a coach, that you know, he'll be able to cope with the need for defensive organisation, defensive midfield, the shield, which is going to be important for Bordeaux. Bear in mind, they've lost Malcolm, who was their, you know, in a sense, talismanic player. So if they get a talismanic coach in, that's brilliant. But that coach also needs to be able to organise those guys at the back, which was where they fell down a bit last season. So... Hopefully his experience, as I say, on a coaching staff rather than necessarily being a coach will mean he'll be able to take a broader view, uh, an overall view rather than focusing just on, you know, what his job was. Um, Hopefully that will be the case. Uh, But we wait to see. I mean, who they who they get in is is anybody. anybody I think that's right now. That's kind of. I feel like there's sort of similarities with Glenn Hoddle in that he was sort of such a great player and um, clearly 
certainly at the time he was a manager I'm less and less convinced as he continues with his punditry career but um, <laughs> seemed a very intelligent person as well and certainly at yeah. the start of his coaching career he did he did well and, but everyone said that the one thing that held him back was his inability to appreciate that his players were not as good as him um, I, I, I could see Henri being that kind of person, but at the same time, he clearly is an intelligent man, and yeah. and well, hopefully he, look he at has Zidane. You know, arguably he is possibly, or he was possibly working with players who were as good as him. But I mean, he was one of the best in the world, and he was able to and Benzema. Uh, and, <laughs> and no, I mean, if Henri's got that same kind of, in a sense the necessary swagger to make sure there isn't any, um, you know, ifing and whatever in the dressing room, which will be much easier at Bordeaux than at Real Madrid, obviously. Um, you know, that he he is an intelligent man. You can see it from his punditry, his reactions, his analysis that we've seen him do, um, as well as where he's worked. So... It would be it would be brilliant. It'd be really interesting. I'm sure Bordeaux fans would be delighted um, because things have been a bit up and down recently. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be: is it actually going to happen? Because it's like it's a brilliant story, but it's a bit. I you think feel it's... like they might end up with you know a kind of a journeyman, whatever. Would, Corbis end up there or something as a safe pair of hands in the end. Sam Allardyce is out of work. I mean, <laughs> oh Jesus! I mean, he's... I think it would be a really good fit for both sides. I, I mm. think you know he doesn't want to sort of start too high, and you've got you know similar-ish. I like Vieira's route going by by new, you know Man City youth team, and then New York, and now to Nice. Yeah. You've got Lampard at Derby and Gerard at Rangers. With with due respect to all the teams, I think this is kind of the same sort of entry level, not too high, not too low. Um, great a bit, great a name big for history, board. but a kind of not too much expectation. Current. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's it's a tough one to know because, as we say, we are speculating at this stage. But it will be interesting to see if if uh, Thierry does come in and um, he he would probably join another six or seven players, including Patrick Vieira, uh, in the um, audition to be future Arsenal manager in the eyes of the English media. But we're um, going to get on stage and start singing "Islands in the Stream." Oh, I, I can't <laughs> wait for the, the wait for the day where they just unite the Invincibles team, just put them all on the bench to manage the team. <laughs> Because that's probably what, what's going to happen. Okay. But if nothing else, Bordeaux, Bordeaux versus Nice will be good fun. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, oh the, that the would hugs. Be. Oh, it'll be oh, beautiful. The, hugs, it? the, the photographers will make a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. Anyway, <Yeah. clears throat> sorry. And I look forward to uh, what Henri's potential match day sideline choice of clothing would be because i've i've enjoyed vieras so far <laughs> it's, it's always interesting to see what new managers wear isn't it it's like do we the guardiola aspect or the the casual sleek look or do we go with a suit or a tracksuit it's always a or, an interesting one sorry's i've just got up i'm hung over i need to make it to the shop before <laughs> and, they and only I'm, had extra extra large t-shirts yeah i was gonna say and i'm gonna wear three sizes too big for me <laughs> so yeah um yeah no absolutely 
Okay. Uh, well, that uh, sort of concludes the, the main body of the pod. We um, we've uh, just going to sort of introduce a slightly tweaked end segment, which is uh, games to watch. I'm going to give our, our two uh, guests a chance to pick out one game each and give me uh, no more than a minute as to the reasons why they've picked that game to watch. Uh, so, Phil, what game are you going to suggest our listeners tune into? Uh, which I should say at this point. Well done, BT Sport. We got there in the end. <laughs> uh, delighted to say Liga is back on BT, so um, you can stick your Italian and your German. I wanted my French, and I've got it, so I'm happy. Uh, so what's the game you'll be tuning in for, Phil? Well, I'm not cooperating at all. I've picked two, uh, which are Toulouse v Nîmes and Amiens versus Reims. Let's see if the two promoted teams can make it three wins out of three. I think those could both be... Uh, well, okay, uh, Toulouse Neem could possibly be more interesting than the other one, um, but yeah, that should uh, that should be fun. And those are both in the Saturday multiplex. So uh, if you can find that anywhere, it's cracking fun. There's just people yelling "Goal at Dijon," and then a lot of you know uh, VT editors having an absolute heart attack and stuff, cutting all over the place. So yeah, Toulouse Neem. And Amiens Rass would be my picks for this weekend. <laughs> you, you've broken the rules and gone with two. I'll let you off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jez, have you got one you can give us, or are you going to break <laughs> the rules as well? I think I might break the rules as well. I, there are some weeks where none really Resist, capture the imagination, Jez, but this this week there, are, there really are quite a few potentially good games. Um, Lyon Strasbourg. Lyon have played really poorly in both matches and won one and lost one. So they need to start finding some form. Uh, Nice-Dijon, I think, could be intriguing. Nice have been, Mm -hmm. as we said, very pretty, but haven't really had much of a cutting edge. And Dijon started fantastically. The other team What Nice wouldn't give for a Tavares at the moment. Um, And then the two later ones on Sunday, Bordeaux-Monaco. We've spoken about Bordeaux-Monaco as well. have not been fantastic yet, so they need to... A reaction, but I think Marseille Rennes is, is rightfully the sort of headline match of the weekend. Um, and really, same again with them. Marseille first match, they didn't need to, to get out of second gear, but they, they did have a shock on Sunday. And Rennes, who a lot of people tipped to have a good season, including me, same again one win, one defeat without playing particularly well in either. So they need to start showing their credentials soon. And if I can just add, it's Montpellier Saint Etienne at the weekend, which means after several years ago there was the Castille affair, there will no doubt be a shitload of riot police um, kicking around outside that one for no good reason at all. Um, but I am hoping to be in attendance to to well see Remy Cabella coming back to Mosul in a different be, shirt. Yeah, there'll be a few nice reunions like Praton, mm-hmm. uh, Gasset as well. Yep. Yeah. So, so you've got a bonus, a bonus there, listeners. Not only have you got two, you've now got three. That you we've basically watch. talked about all the matches. Which <laughs> basically, every knew watch, we were going to do <laughs> everything except <laughs> not versus Con. Basically. Oh fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, those are the games to be tuning in for. We'll, of course, be across those uh, this time next week. Just before we leave you, we will uh, give you the early table, which really means nothing because there's only two games gone. But uh, PSG are top. I mean, who'd have thought? Um, but they are also joined by Nîmes, Dijon and Rams. So uh, that's a little bit different for you. Um, Monaco, Lille, Strasbourg and St Etienne all have four points each down to eighth uh, with Marseille, Lyon, Montpellier, Rennes, to lose all on three points each down to 13th. Uh, we've got two teams on one point each, which are Nice and Carr. And down at the bottom, not Amiens, Bordeaux, Gangon, but Angers reading up the table are all pointless. I love that expression, pointless teams. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, at this stage of the season, obviously, we all know tables mean nothing, but we thought we'd read them out because, you know, that's what we're going to do each week. So there you go. Um, so that is everything that this week for Liga. Uh, very, very briefly, just to let you know, in Ligue 2, currently, uh, Jez is still a happy man because Mets is still top and uh, Lorient are third. So uh, we're both happy at the moment, um, although we'll, of course, be happier when it comes down to the two teams fighting out for the title at the end of the season. Uh, and rather surprisingly, Nancy, still bottom of the table, played four, lost four, minus eight mm. goal difference. Uh, it's not been a good start for them. Uh, we will keep you in touch with Liga each week as we go, just so that everyone knows where we are. Um, and we promise, one time this season, we will actually speak to somebody who knows their onions about Liga. So, yes, look forward to that. Right, uh, that will do us for this week then. Uh, thank you very much to my panellists. Thank you to Jez and thank you to Phil. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, we'll be back this time next week. Uh, all being well, <coughs> we'll have Rich back as well. Uh, no, we won't. Why will we not be there? Oh, no, you're not I'm here. not here. You're you not here. Have, you guys <gasps> have to find out how to record yourselves oh, or goodness have me. to take a week off. So we'll, we'll either send a letter for this podcast so you can read on the Twitter. If anybody <laughs> has any free audio um, recording uh, kind of um, recommendations, please send them in to French Football Weekend <laughs> so the lads can actually look after themselves while I'm on holiday back in Britain for the wedding of my two good friends, Nat and Nath. Hi, guys. Looking forward to it lack of commitment that's what i like to see uh or of course you could just um you could just invite us into a plus studio and pay for it and that'll be fine uh we'll we'll see what we can do so at this point we're going to say hopefully we'll be here next week uh answers <laughs> on a postcard as to whether we will be or not if we're not we'll be back in two weeks but here's hoping we'll be in your ears next week but until then uh, enjoy your french football and uh, if you are gus Poyet, uh all the best. Uh, we'll, speak to, we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks for listening. Au revoir.